Thank you for joining us today for our Thursday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in Genesis, so let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your trials will be over. That is really hard to compete with. <clears throat> you know, we should just pray and just go out on that note, but... Let's, um, uh, if anybody needs a Bible, raise your hand, and we'll put a Bible in your hand. We are going to be in the book of Genesis. Uh, just to let you know that for our Christmas Eve services, that uh, we're going to have a 3 p.m. service here, okay? And we are going to have child care for that. So if you have little ones and you want to bring them, uh, we will have child care for that. Then we have a 5 o'clock Christmas Eve service in Festival Park, all right? And uh, people have asked me, is this is the message going to be the same for all the services? No. So um, we are going to have one here at 3. We'll have one in Festival Park. The one in Festival Park will be different than the one we have here. Then we will have one here at 7. That'll be the same one as we do at 3. Okay? But the one at 7, we don't have child care for that one. Okay? And then we have Saturday morning at 10. That will also be a different message than the ones. What did I say? Okay, what do I know? Um, <laughs> Sunday, we will have a 10 o'clock service, and that will also be a different message, okay? And so we won't have child care for that, but uh, please come out to that if God puts that on your heart. I know you want to be home with your kids, and that's fine. Uh, those that don't have kids or would like to have a place to go and have fellowship on that day, that's why we're having that service. And so uh, come join us at 10 a.m. if you can. So with that... Um, I also have two other announcements. One is we are going to have a baptism on January 11th. That is a Wednesday night. Um, I always encourage, please, 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 if you've never been baptized, please get baptized. It is not necessary for salvation. I want to make that very, very clear. Okay. But, and here's the big but. I always hate saying that, actually. Um, here's the big however. How's that? The big however is this, it is 100% necessary for obedience. You can't claim that you've been obedient to Christ if you haven't been baptized. And the only way that you can be baptized is after you've professed your faith in Jesus Christ. So if you got baptized before that, sorry, doesn't count. Okay, doesn't count. You do it after you become a believer in Jesus Christ. And that's why infant baptism doesn't save you, okay? And baptism doesn't save you. There's nothing wrong with dedicating your kids to the Lord, and that's what we do here. But when it comes to baptism, it's after you make that profession of faith. And so if you made that profession of faith and afterwards you have not been baptized, please come out and be baptized because you can't be obedient to Christ without it. Okay, and so uh, we have that coming up. We also have prayer and praise coming up on January 8th at 630. That's a Sunday night. That's a time when we pray together. The coming year is, is upon us, and we want to pray for this year coming upon us, as well as we'll have a lot of time of worship, and it's a wonderful evening to come out for that. So with that, let's go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 46. Genesis chapter 46. So at this point in our story, you have Jacob that has thought up until 
uh, recently that his son Joseph has died at the hands of a wild animal. And so, meanwhile, his brothers took him and sold him to the Ishmaelites who walked him down to Egypt and sold him into slavery. And so, um, a good 22 years have passed at this time. Um, Joseph has been raised up to the right hand of Pharaoh after interpreting a dream for him of seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And Pharaoh was so impressed by that, raised him up to be the prime minister over the whole land. There was only one person more powerful than him, and that was Pharaoh himself. And so after the years of plenty, they're now in the time of a famine. And that made uh, Joseph's brothers come to him in Egypt. Jacob tells him, say, hey, look, there's grain in Egypt. Why don't you go there? So they do, and they come before Joseph. And Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And so puts him through a series of tests and then eventually reveals himself to them uh, last time that we met. And so had a great feast for them and everything else. And we read here that... Um, that after this great feast sends him back and says, hey, I want you to tell my father, please come. And so the brothers come and let him know that, hey, Joseph is alive. And as I mentioned last week, it was kind of like, we don't have the information of how that was explained, but that must have been a very, very interesting conversation, you know, with his brothers. You've let me know, you've let me believe for 22 years that my son is dead when you knew all along that he was alive. Wow. You know, and so now he's being brought back and he says, now go get my father, uh, go ahead and, and bring all the brothers and their wives and bring them into Egypt and I will take care of you because there's still five more years of famine that is before you. And so here we have chapter 46 and it says in verse one, it says, so Israel, who by the way is also Jacob, we see his name interchanged here, but Israel means governed by God. Jacob means heel catcher or supplanter or manipulator. One is his old life. This is who he's to become. He's supposed to be governed by God. And when we see him acting by faith, we see him kind of being uh, called Israel. And when we see him kind of being in his own self, we see him uh, being called Jacob. And it is used interchangeably. And so here it says, so Israel took his journey with all that he had, meaning Jacob, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father. So this is really interesting to me. So Jacob is coming into the land, and he's coming into the land after believing that his son is alive. And he's coming on this journey to meet his son. Those who believe that Jesus is alive that God sent to die, was raised three days later, is now at the right hand of the God. Those who believe that, guess what? You're also on a journey to see the sun. I find that fascinating. I'm on the same journey that Jacob is on. He believes the sun is alive. I believe the sun is alive. And my life is a journey to eventually see the sun. And so he took his journey, all that he had, and he came to Beersheba. The word Beersheba there uh, means the well of seven. Uh, the word comes from two different words. You might remember this when we went over this in chapter 21 uh, with Abraham. But Ber means well, and Shiva means seven. Uh, comes from a root word, uh, which means to swear. This word kind of carries a double meaning. It means the well of the seven, and it means the well of the swearing, because it's there that Abraham and Abimelech 
made this oath, sworn oath. And Abimelech and Abraham swore an oath to one another, and they made a treaty not to harm one another and to speak truthful to one another. And this is where this took place. It's on the southernmost outpost of the promised land. This is the last stop on in, in Canaan on the way to Egypt. And he stops there to honor God with sacrifices. Again, this shows that Jacob or Israel is being a man of faith. Before seeing his son Joseph, Israel stops at Beersheba to honor God with sacrifices, showing that he's putting God first in this journey to Egypt. And I would submit to you that it's also probably to continue to inquire of God. Both Abraham and Isaac lived for a time there at Beersheba. Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, planted a tamarisk tree there at Beersheba. We also know that Isaac received a special promise from God and built an altar to, to uh, have sacrifice there in Beersheba. And so it is probably the place that Jacob went to make sacrifices here in this text. And so it says that in verse 2, then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. And so ladies, again, I, I mentioned this before, when it was Abraham, God called Abraham twice, Abraham, Abraham. And again, it's scriptural. Men need to be told twice. <laughs> so if you have to keep saying your husband's name over and over again, it's just a biblical principle is all that is. All right. Exactly. Now, this is also interesting. This is the sixth time God has appeared to Jacob in a vision or a dream, more than any other patriarch. Wow. And Joseph, that is such a godly man, never once has an appearing of God. Never once had an appearing of God. Sometimes we look at the patriarchs and go, well, yeah, if God visited me, visited me in a dream, if I had a vision and God was there speaking to me, it would change my life. Well, maybe it will, maybe it wouldn't, but you don't need it. God has given you enough through his word. He has given you enough through sending his son that that is more than enough to believe and have a relationship with God. And Joseph, even though he had a dream from the Lord, it wasn't like the Lord, he just had a special dream that all of a sudden his brother's sheaves are going to be, you know, bowing down to him and things like that. But he didn't have a vision or appearing of the Lord. And so... It says here in verse 3, so he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I'll make you a great nation there. That tells me that there's probably a little fear in his heart of going down to Egypt. Jacob probably remembers hearing about his grandfather Abraham had gone down to Egypt because of what? A famine. And things didn't work out so great for him because God didn't tell him to go down to Egypt. He just did that on his own. And so he's probably remembering that. He's probably remembering how God had spoken to Isaac not to go down to Egypt. And so now he's seeking the Lord and the Lord's saying, go ahead, I am with you. The first time any patriarch has ever been told by God to go to Egypt. And so he's going to go to Egypt. Now, he tells them, I will make of you a great nation there. God tells Jacob here what his purpose was in bringing this large family or clan down to Egypt. This is going to be a place 
that Egypt is going to become the mother's womb of Israel becoming a nation. This is a place that because the Egyptians have nothing to do with foreigners, they're going to be segregated. They're going to be able to grow there and not have to worry about being intermarried or have intermarital relationships there with the Egyptians because the Egyptians want nothing to do with foreigners. And so again, God will be able to raise up this nation of itself. It says, I will go down with you to Egypt and I will also surely bring you up again. Jacob, guess what? I know you're probably a little fearful that you might die there, but I'm here to tell you something. I'm going to bring you back out of Egypt. I will bring you up again to be back in the land of Canaan here. And this is speaking of his death because of what it says next. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes, meaning Joseph will be there when you die. And so I see two things here. One, God confirms to Jacob that Joseph is still alive. And second, Joseph is going to be there when you die. He's going to be the one that closes your eyes. Verse 5, Then Jacob arose from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones, their wives in the carts with Pharaoh, has sent to carry him. And so all the women, the little children, they have these moving vans that they can jump into and they can be carried there. No doubt that Jacob, being uh, the advanced age that he is, probably couldn't make this trip without being on a cart or a donkey himself or a camel. So he's going to be traveling in in very good accommodations uh, compared to what he's used to. And it says, so they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him. His sons, his sons' sons, his daughters, his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. So because of this famine, Jacob doesn't leave anyone behind. He takes all his children and grandchildren and all the livestock that have survived so far. Uh, Jacob even takes more than what we're going to number here in these next few verses. Jacob and his family also had many male and female servants. They will also be coming down, but isn't uh, counted in this number that we're going to count here in a moment. Also, all the women and the children that Simeon and Levi captured after killing all the men in Shechem because of that Dinah incident in chapter 34. So all these people will be coming to Egypt as well. So the number that we're going to have here, the 70 people that arrived there in uh, in Egypt, it's way more than that. It's because of what is said in verse 8. It says, now these were the names of the children of Israel, Jacob and his sons, who went to Egypt. So what we're going to name here are the children that came from Jacob, Jacob and his sons. That's what's going to be named here. So we're going to count the names of the children of Israel, those who have come from his own body. That is the count that's going into this. Now, when you do this count, and I believe it's in um, verse... Here we go. I'll find it. Oh, right here. Verse 15 says his sons and his daughters were 33. When you go through and count this, you'll find 32. And the reason you'll find 32 is because you didn't count Jacob. So as they do this count, starting with Reuben, 
They're assuming you're counting Jacob, okay? But you'll make the mistake like I did when I was first going through this. I go, where is 33? I only count 32. And then I'm going, oh, Jacob, okay? You have to count Jacob. So starting with Jacob being number one, all right? You already start with one as you get into verse nine. And then when they name the son, you have to name the son as they rattle off their sons, okay? So we're starting with one, Jacob, okay? So Reuben was Jacob's firstborn. Verse 9, the sons of Reuben were Hanok, Palu, Hezron, Carmi. So including Reuben there, that's five. So five plus one, six. Am I going too fast? Okay. The sons of Simeon, so you got to count him, were Jamul, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, Shal, the son of a Canaanite woman. So here we have seven. So seven plus six, 13. Now, the sons of Levi were Gershon, Kohath, Merari, that's four. Four plus 13, 17. The sons of Judah were Ur, Onan, Shelah, Perez, Zerah. But Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. So they're now counting the the sons of Perez or the grandsons now are being covered here, which is two. But two of his sons died. So right here you have a total of eight, but because Ur and Onan died in Canaan, it didn't come over there, you have to subtract two. So now you have six. So six plus 17 23. Kind of had to do a little math there in itself. He had to add, subtract, go, what's going on here? You know, but that's where we are. We're at 23. The sons of Issachar were Tola, Puva, Job, and Shimron. So now we have five. Five plus 23 is 28. The sons of Zebulun were Sered, Elon, and Jahlil. So here we have four. 4 plus 28 equals 32. These were the sons of Leah whom she bore to Jacob in Padam Aram and his daughter Dinah. Now you have to add her, which is one more to 32 is what? 33. That's how we get there. All the persons, his sons and daughters were 33. But if you didn't start with Jacob being one, you'd be at 32. So now we're at 33. All the persons, his sons, his daughters were 33. The sons of Gad were Ziphion, Haggi, Juni, or Shuni, Hezbon, Eri, Arodi, and Areli. So Gad and his sons were eight. Eight plus 33 equals 41. The sons of Asher were Jimnah, Eshua, Esui, Beriah, and Sarah, their sister. And the sons of Beriah were Heber and Malkiel. So you have to add them. And so when you add up all that, that's eight. So 8 plus 41 equals 49. And the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to Leah, his daughter, these she bore to Jacob, 16 persons. So the last two, we had 8, and that's 16. And so here's a summary of the sons of Zilpah, 16. 16 plus 33 is still 49. We're still at 49 here. Sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, were Joseph and Benjamin. So Rachel is dead and wives are not counted because they did not come from the body of Jacob. Okay, so we're told of two of Rachel's sons, which will be counted 
in the next few verses here. And to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar the priest, Potiphar the priest of On, bore to him. So here we have three, three plus 49, 52. The sons of Benjamin were uh, Bela, Becker, Ashbel, Gerah, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Muppet. Okay, it's Muppim. Hupim, Ard. So you have 11 there, including Benjamin. He had 10 kids, so that's 11, counting Benjamin. So 11 plus 52 equals 63. These were the sons of Rachel who were born to Jacob, 14 persons in all. The son of Dan was Husham. So he only had one son plus himself. That's two. So two plus 63 is 65. The sons of Naphtali were Jaziel, Guni. That's a strange one. Uh, Jesser and Shalim. So now you have five. Five plus 65 is 70. So you have 70 in Egypt there. So, these were the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, and she bore these to Jacob, seven persons in all. So, the total we're at now is 70. However, the next verse says 66. So, look what it says here in verse 26. All the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt, who came from his body, besides Jacob's sons, wives, were 66 persons in all. And you're going, okay, we just counted 70. Now it's saying 66 because now it's subtracting some people. It says right here, all the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt. Well, who went with him? Well, Joseph didn't because he was already down there. And guess what? His two sons were also born in Egypt, did not go down with him. So now you have to subtract three from 70. You get 67. And then it says, who came from his body. You know who didn't come from his body? Himself. <laughs> Jacob. So that's why we have 66. I don't know why we're going through these calisthenics of math and things like that. Um, but this is how we get to that right there, 66 persons in all. And so when you subtract Jacob and Jacob's son, uh, Joseph, that's in Egypt with his two sons, you get to 66. But then verse 27, just to add to confusion. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob went to Egypt were 70. Yes, because Jacob went into the house of, uh, also went to Egypt and he's of the house of Jacob, even though he is Jacob and it all comes from him, he's still of the house of Jacob. And it's including now his, his son and his two sons. So now we have 70. So we have a total of 60 persons who came from Jacob's body that traveled to him to Egypt. But of the totality of the house of Jacob, there's 70. I hope that is clear. And if it's not, blame God. So anyway. Now, there is some confusion because in Acts 7, 14, Stephen, in his great defense before the Sanhedrin, says that there were 75 who went into Egypt, but that's because he's quoting from the Septuagint, and there's a few other folks that are listed there in the Septuagint. They add five more grandsons of Joseph that were born in Egypt. So the number depends on who you count and who you don't, and so uh, it's not a contradiction. It's, it's just a different way of doing math. 
That concludes this Thursday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Listen in tomorrow as we continue our study in the book of Genesis. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings. And on Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our young adults ministry, Arise, meets every Friday evening at 6.30 p.m. at the church. Child care is offered for all our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God.